0: This episode is brought to you by Audible. Look, if I told you that I will for free put something inside your brain, you would say, That sounds creepy. And why do you have a brown panel van with no windows? And I would say, look, it's not creepy. I'm talking about a free audiobook. And I, I don't have I don't have any van at all. I just made up that whole scenario entirely because I like to use my imagination and you can let imagination into your mind with free audiobooks by going to audibletrial.com slash thecreateunknown because it helps the show, it helps your brain, it helps keep the bad men away. And one of the audiobooks I recommend is Contact by Carl Sagan. A while back, Carl Sagan wrote a book about aliens contacting Earth and it's just awesome. They turned it into a movie with Jodie Foster, which is not as awesome. Instead, you should listen to the book. So, to support the show, get your free audiobook at audibletrial.com/slash/thecreateunknown. You get the free audiobook. You get a free 30-day trial. There's no obligation. Cancel anytime, and just just keep that book. It's yours, pal. That's audibletrial.com/slash/thecreateunknown. Now get in the van. Don't 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 do that. Don't do that last part. Unless it's your van. Vsauce, Kevin here.
1: Matt, please tell me something. We need to talk about a crime... That is as singularly interesting as our next guest. Okay, so now this is a starting off as a crime podcast. Uh, this is a, this is our one shot at a crime podcast. Okay. Yeah, there's been a theft from an unlikely place: the Philadelphia Insectarium and Butterfly Pavilion. Okay, eighty uh, percent of their live collection, which amounts to seven thousand insects and scorpions, and all of this have been taken living, living insects yep. not like specimens
0: specimens these, in a jar
1: yeah these are not specimens that are like tacked to in display cases these are living things including full colonies of insects someone stole them someone stole them yeah or uh, a team of people it seems to be unsolved it's been around for a little bit uh but it has not been solved yet apparently these are valued up to $40,000 to individual collectors that's like it's like 550 a bug yeah well i imagine if it kind of would be hard to
0: buy a bug i don't know where you would buy bugs there's not a bug store amazon doesn't have
1: bugs (laughs) you can't just like just slap some arachnids in your cart (laughs) so the weird thing is that you know obviously who does this right who does this uh, they think it was a disgruntled employee, a former employee. That makes sense. Uh, they'd have access to it. And they also took all the logs and stuff. So the Butterfly Pavilion, the Insectarium, isn't even sure about everything that's gone because their like inventory records have been removed as well. But they, apparently they think that uh, you know, the theft is payback for being fired because there was an employee that was let go and they showed their dissatisfaction by... Returning their their blue work uniform by taking knives and and tacking it, stabbing it into the wall. Whoa! In yeah, in in like a, a little room in the museum. That's so, a little intense. And then they stole seven thousand insects.
0: Okay, but can't they go to their apartment and find it full of butterflies? <laughs> like that seems like a difficult thing to hide. Unless they just let them go and then, but. There are logs, and
1: you could throw the logs in the woods. I, I don't know. The FBI is involved at this point, which I guess if anybody's going to handle it, it should be the FBI. The federal bug investigators. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I'm done with this. We're moving on.
0: We spoke We spoke to iDubbbz. Speaking of laughter, (laughs) iDubbbz is uh, one of the most popular comedians on YouTube and speaking with him about his process, about how he makes videos, why he makes videos, how he makes a living off these videos was totally unlike anyone else we spoke to. And I got to imagine almost anybody else that we will speak to.
1: I think so. And it's so different from some of the others that we 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 probably should put a little disclaimer forth, don't you think?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, if you are, like, sitting with grandma around the fire right now and she's a little sensitive to uh f- like adult language uh there's even, a little bit of it there's yep. a little bit of adult language so um beware of
1: that but i mean that's part of the i-dubs experience that's right and if anybody's watched his videos they know that i he's absolutely hilarious in part because he really pushes the envelope on these things uh he's been pretty controversial at times uh he's had a a, a couple couple (laughs) dust-ups in his YouTube career. Uh, But he's got this series called Content Cop, and that that kind of showcases his approach, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, Content Cop is a really popular series. It's a show that he developed where he criticizes YouTubers that he has really a problem with. (laughs) Like, if someone is on the platform doing content that he thinks is worthy of being called out on, then, you know, he does it. But it's not just him ranting necessarily into a camera lens. He's putting together skits. He's doing music videos. He's going out and doing kind of stunts in public in regards to, you know, to the person that he's criticizing. And all of it comes together to create completely unique videos that have just launched him into this, his own
1: little kind of stratosphere of of the internet we've talked to people who have detailed these incredible paths from things like uh, academics into uh, like a a shocking expertise in a field and then making that into entertainment Or developing some uh well-functioning system that works internationally and they built out this big team uh to to take their vision and expand it online that's not what ian's doing that's not Idubs and what his approach is working exceptionally well it's it's incredible in contrast uh to some of the other some of the other interviews yeah and that's what i love about talking to all of
0: these different creators because of the the different ways that they get to where they are and and like we said already a million times Idubs is he's doing it different he's doing it his own way And he's doing it really, really successfully. So you're about to hear everything about iDubbbz. You're about to hear his... uh, Well, you need to stay tuned for... Uh,
1: this is worth okay. watching to the end, isn't it? Or listening He's to
0: the listening end. Listening to the end, yeah. I don't want to spoil it. Just listen to the whole thing.
1: <laughs> don't, don't, don't uh, scrub through. Don't scrub through either. <laughs> but wait yeah. patiently. Please
0: absorb the knowledge from iDubs. Absorb the knowledge from us, from iDubs, and from everything that's about to unfold. Because you are about to enter. The All right, I dub. so you started, uh, how many years ago, and you started doing Kickstarter crap, which was a series that you did a lot of episodes mm-hmm. on, where you basically were reviewing Kickstarters that were uh, less than um, ideal, I guess.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good description. Less than ideal. Uh, yeah, I would say it's probably been about, like, I don't know, maybe five years. Uh, it's sort of hard to keep track because, like, if you do YouTube for a long time, you know, your your channel and your success or whatever is going to come in waves. So, like, I spent, like, at least a good two years just doing the video game grind where you just upload commentary of, you know, you playing some obscure game. And you just sit there and you refresh the page trying to inflate your views. And you do that for, like, <laughs> two years. And then... uh and then at one point I was like, all right, I got to do something different because nothing is, you know, nothing is improving. So the Kickstarter crap thing came around and people seem to like that. And I didn't see any other videos really that were too similar. And uh, I don't know, It's cool. It was a good uh, way to begin my career as a guy who rants at the camera.
1: So what's the breakdown of, of Kickstarter crap? What was that? The the idea, like, uh, would you stumble on a project? Would you, Yeah. people send them to you or what?
2: Yeah. So I, I think people would always try to send me them once I got started, but it was one of those things where you needed a sort of a good combination of like bad, but also a lot of content. You know, people would, would send me sort of low effort Kickstarter projects made by like an eight year old, you know, I want to play Fortnite, give me (laughs) <laughs> donations for to play Fortnite or whatever the, the case is. And it's like, oh, there's not much I can do that, with this. And it's also uh, not worth critiquing because it's made by a child. But beyond that, I would say that uh, it was a lot of just browsing, you know, r slash uh, shitty Kickstarters and, uh, and just browsing the site myself. And I don't know. There's a lot of – there's all sorts of different categories. I think the categories that were uh, the most rife for, I guess – criticizing or satire was any of the projects that focused on like new technology and uh you know there were a lot of projects that kind of just wanted to repackage an old idea so like one of them was this uh project called zen egg and it's literally just a a wooden egg that someone i guess carved out on a uh, a lathe or however you do that and It's just an egg with, like, a weight at the bottom, you know? There's a million toys out there that do the exact same thing. It just bobbles back and forth, and you can put it on your desk or whatever. But because this had sort of the minimalist vibe and, you know, was clean and peaceful and relaxing, it's like, yeah, I want to pay $20 for this.
1: (laughs) So somebody looked at a Weeble and thought, like, if we take the face off Mm this— We can reboot it.
0: Yeah, well, we yeah, and and combine it with the concept of the pet rock, and and all of a sudden you're a multi-millionaire on Kickstarter.
2: Exactly. Well, there are so many projects that I would absolutely compare to the pet rock. You know, it's like if it feels kind of clean and nice, it's like hell yeah, I'll drop twenty dollars on that. And uh, so that's that's sort of. I guess my uh, philosophy on it the whole time was sort of like if you're. Uh, if you're gonna do a Kickstarter project, you should kind of like not be able to fund it yourself. But I think a lot of the projects, the critiques I made, like if you want to take all these risks, like at least put you know put your money where your mouth is and like go for broke. <laughs> if if you really believe in the idea, don't try to pawn off your shitty idea on people. On oh, wait, am I allowed to cuss on this?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. yeah anyway, <laughs>
1: <laughs> so there was one that you did where you're talking now about. Give it a shot. Put your resources in. Uh-huh. Do your thing on it. This uh, the the guy with the lemon farm in Valencia or whatever. Yeah, uh, he's trying to start a lemon grove and uh-huh. was asking for like sixty thousand or something, and then shoots the drone out of the sky. Yeah,
2: I I, <laughs> I vaguely remember that. I usually just wipe my memory after I'm done with a video, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I think that was his attempt at getting a. More attention for his Kickstarter project was sort of Uh pretending that someone was like, I guess, I don't know, like spying on him or some (laughs) shit like that. Because it's very easy to buy a cheap drone and make it look like someone's, you know, up to no good. I did that for a couple videos um, (laughs) and just (laughs) trash the drone. But yeah, it's. He uh, goes
1: on Inside Edition, he gets them to cover it. Yeah. Uh, and that features the Kickstarter. And but you know what? At no point was he was he like, Hey, look at my four lemon trees that I sold a lawnmower <laughs> to like buy. Right. You know, I, I'm really trying hard with these four, help me get four hundred. Look at these juicy lemons. At no point does he do any of this. Like he, he says I've got a friend a hundred miles away who grows lemons or something like that.
2: Exactly. It's all some sort of like, I don't know, some pie in the sky idea where it's like, man, I'm picturing the lifestyle I want and it involves lemon trees. You know, it's like, (laughs) like I think about that sometimes. I'm sure you guys do as well, where it's like, man, like, you know, you're watching some, I don't know, like what I've been watching lately is like, uh, people uh in their uh like bee farms and i'm like man it would be fucking cool to have like a bunch of bees making honey making wax making pollen and that would be a very peaceful life just you know making some candles harvesting the honey and just you know having this very simple lifestyle but like no one's gonna fund that for you like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know you got to find your way and then i guess when you've made enough money you can kind of have this uh have this dreamy idealistic lifestyle you yeah. know i don't know yeah, do you fine. guys have any have any sort of pie in the sky ideas of like i like to retire and and be a be whittle on some wood be a woodworker <laughs> in my garage
0: i don't know i, I don't i guess not I, i've never really thought about that before especially like something like Being a beekeeper seems like a lot of work. I don't know if that's (laughs) retirement. That's just like starting a new business, I think.
2: Yeah, but you do it so passively because like, I think that's what a lot of uh, older folks realize once they go into retirement. It's like, well, what the fuck do I do now? Like, I'm not going to (laughs) waste away on the couch. I got to be doing something.
0: I got to put on a bee suit, I think. (laughs) Yeah, I mean,
2: you can. You can also just build up a bit of a tolerance to the bees, get stung a little bit, and then you go out there and you're boxer shorts and, and do
0: it <laughs> slathered in honey yeah.
1: What and I about? I mean, me come meat. on kevin yeah.
2: surely you got something that you want to do when you're when your bones are starting to get a little old
1: <laughs> with my old bones yeah like, uh, like 2019 he means yeah um yeah I, I don't
0: know i think probably just uh maybe work on on writing books or something like maybe that that's probably what i would do rather than like M- making sure that other living creatures survive, like bees, um, <laughs> or like a goat farm. I think I would just <laughs> goat farm rather on. like uh, you know, still come up with ideas and and write, yeah, uh, write things. Yeah,
2: you you think it's still making videos after writing, or you're thinking when you're older, books are, are more your medium.
0: Books are, uh, yeah, I'm thinking books are, would be more, yeah, my medium because I I wonder just how what what the age limit is on making videos like that's got to be there's got to be like a like it's like an athlete it's like you know uh Charles Barkley always says you know father time always father time is undefeated that's what Charles Barkley always says when like (laughs) you know some some NBA player is like still trying to hang on you know like uh like Vince Carter is still playing for the Memphis Grizzlies or whatever at 41 and eventually just can't dunk anymore.
1: Right. Well there are old there are older people on on YouTube. You know, I watch a couple guys who do uh like 19th century black powder guns. Oh
2: yeah.
1: Like th- there's nobody who's like a, a strapping young fellow with a channel on muzzle loading rifles from the Civil War mm-hmm. era. You know, so they're all old and beat up. and yeah. yeah,
2: your expertise would like actually kind of benefit you in that if you have some, you know, some obscure knowledge that's that's perfect for an old guy on YouTube, you know?
0: Yeah, uh, you I, need like a dad hobby that you can record and talk about, yeah, I guess.
2: I love that idea. I don't know. I I just recently got done watching a lot of this guy's videos who um, I think he's got a very young spirit, but he's an old dude and he, uh, <laughs> I guess his gag is to uh, do the like uh, the split screen thing where you record yourself in one part of the frame and the other part of the frame and he did this thing where he's just eating a, a watermelon <laughs> just spooning out bits of a watermelon and he's just like having a conversation with his other self this dude's like probably like 70 maybe 80 years old and uh, <laughs> like just the fact that it's an old guy like uploading a video saying like, how I eat a watermelon or something like that is like, that's as far as I'm concerned, that's the new clickbait because it's like, it's super engaging and, uh, and makes you curious.
0: Are they, but only one of him is eating the watermelon. The other one is commentating on the watermelon, like a play-by-play. I
2: think on some of the videos, it's like the one I'm thinking of, I think it's both there's two of him, and I think both of him are eating the separate halves of the watermelon, and I think he's talking to himself a little bit. Not too much, because he's got to focus on eating the watermelon, but...
0: <laughs> <laughs> it Takes a lot of concentration.
2: Yeah. It's, does it's he have amazing. teeth?
0: Is he just gum? does he just gum the watermelon? Oh,
2: no, he has teeth. He's, he's, <laughs> he's pretty well put together. He's not. Uh... And then he does a tutorial on how to do it, if you want to learn how to do the split-screen thing. So, uh, and he gives you all the information he tells you, you know, you want to have a, a backdrop that, you know, isn't moving around, you know, you want some straight, you want some vertical lines in the background so you can make a nice clean cut. He, uh, he's really, uh, getting into the, the tech and the editing in his old age, which is actually really cool to see.
0: So is that pretty much what you're up to now is sitting around and watching old men eat watermelon?
2: Yeah, <laughs> uh, a little bit that. I, I do... I think I actually spend most of my time these days just watching YouTube videos. I have a lot of ideas for making content, but I just fuck, I can't be fucked. I'm enjoying watching (laughs) everyone else's shit like way too much.
0: (laughs) Well, and I, I wondered if you have any sort of, I don't know, like apprehension in any way in terms of like what you're going to make next because of your tremendous popularity. I mean, a lot of people are watching your stuff. A lot of people read your tweets. I mean, you don't tweet that often. And then when you do, it gets, you know, what, 20,000 likes. And you could tweet, it's, uh, you're the type of person I'm like, I don't even know what this means, but it's funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, apparently, you know, 25,000 other people also thought it was funny.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I certainly do have some apprehension when it comes to, like, uploading things. I've 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 canceled a lot of, like... <laughs> Uh, Videos after recording them simply because I feel like people aren't going to be um, aren't going to like it as much. So, yeah, it kind of sucks a little bit, at least in that way. But I think I'm very lucky to have the the fan base I have, like you said, the, you know, a decent amount of of people just paying attention when I tweet like I, I really can't ask for much more than that. So I'm trying to, I would say, get a little bit get out of my head a little bit more. Like when you invited me to come on the podcast, it was like sometimes I, I think in the past I'd maybe like be like, oh, sh- should I really do this? Like maybe I should prepare a little bit. Maybe I should get some videos out myself before I get on something like that. But I think lately I've just been uh, a little bit more keen to just go with the flow and uh you know, record when I feel like it sort of thing.
0: So does does that fear come from the backlash that inevitably will come from people saying, why are you doing this podcast instead of making new videos, that sort of thing? Like,
2: yeah, yeah, I would say so, new... a bit of that. Yeah, just trying to be a little bit l- more fearless as far as like uploading things go because I think you can really let that control your life if you're just like far too focused on like, what is the response going to be, you know, like... What are people going to think about it? You know, you can really just—I don't know—overthink things, I guess.
0: Well, I think that that's like clearly indicative of YouTube as a platform. You know, we were speaking with uh, Michael from Vsauce. Uh, I know. Yesterday, him. You, you know him? Yeah, you know Vsauce Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't he dump a bucket of mud on you? Or that was Jake?
2: That was Jake.
0: So, okay, but Michael was witness to that, wasn't he? Oh yeah, <laughs> he was yeah. witness to it. He was witness to the mud.
1: Yeah. In fact, Um, that was,
2: uh, I'm a little bit disappointed in Jake for that video because I was really expecting some like proper mud. Uh, but he just got some fucking like, what was it? Like mulch, some really shitty mulch from the store. And it was like, this is not the same thing as like covering yourself in mud. Cause the whole point was to, you know, erase the heat signature. My body was giving off and it was like, yeah. I don't think putting wood chips across my body is really going to be that effective.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, uh, maybe, we'll, yeah, we're going to have to do that video again, I guess, and just, and just cover you in mud because of this tremendous regret that you have in your life <laughs> over the wood chips. But what Michael was talking about a little bit was comparing YouTube as a platform to something like, say, Netflix or Hulu, or I mean, certainly television, where it's this completely one-way experience. The people who create the the show are giving you the show, and you have no feedback mechanism for being involved in any way. Uh, specifically, talking about commenting. So on YouTube, you're uploading a video, and you get a flood of comments before anyone has literally even watched five seconds of your video. And yeah. That's such a tremendous difference than any other. Oh,
2: absolutely. Media Sometimes platform. that's really nice because it's like. You know, people are saying the greatest, sweetest things before they've even watched the video. I love this blind adoration, like, this is awesome. But <laughs> sometimes it can go the exact opposite, you know. Someone who's a little bit, like, you know, on the on the other side of things, you know, can <laughs> receive, a, you know, a swarm of hate within two seconds of uploading, and it's like, you know... I don't know. I, I, I certainly like it because I, I just like the... Uh, the added interaction. I think it's just helping to grow the platform uh, alongside everything else that's helping to grow the platform, you know, the young users and TV dying, I guess.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's something that uh, Casey Neistat did. Did he do a video? He did a video at one point Mm -hmm. last year, kind of directing it at YouTube's executives. And I don't remember what exactly YouTube had done that had, caused this reaction from him, but he was outlining specifically why YouTube was different than Amazon Prime and, you know, all of these other platforms. And what he circled was community and that on YouTube, you have this community that you are building where you can interact with people who like your stuff. And, um, and that's just completely unique
2: yeah it's good i think uh i think they should embrace it a lot more i it's it it took them a long time too to get in a a lot of the stuff that twitch was doing as far as you know live streaming and the i guess the donation stuff around like super chats and all sorts of like other ways even the there's this new feature that just allows you to make a post like rather than uploading a video you just make a post that just says hey guys you know i'm i'm working on some stuff here's a picture of you know, what I'm working on. And it's like, well, that that actually took a long time to get into effect. It's like kind of a no brainer um, overall, but it's, it's t- easily taken over a decade for uh, for that feature to come out. And I, I think increased ways uh, uh, for people to communicate like that'd be awesome. Like, you know, they could probably do stories like Instagram's doing like pretty much everything that. I would say these supplementary apps have been putting out, like can pretty much be put on YouTube.
0: Yeah. I think they've, they've tried that. So they have, they have tested stories. Yeah. And I don't know how that went. Um, because There's I, I don't really see There's also the fear that it's too much them.
2: like a, like the other social medias. It's like, I don't want YouTube to become Facebook or something like that. I don't know.
0: Well, and it's also so many different things to so many different people. Like, mm-hmm. like first and foremost, 97% of the views on YouTube are just people listening to music. Like that's mm. it's it's primarily a music website if by the raw numbers.
2: Yeah. Those might be a bit inflated by Universal Music Group or something
0: though. <laughs> what? Just pumping bots into Despacito?
2: Yeah, I mean there there's, uh, there are yeah, there are some really sketchy music videos that just get absolutely fucking like blasted with views in the first hour they come out and it doesn't make any sense. Uh, I think there were a couple like articles that, I mean, this is, I want to say it's universal. I forget which it is, but there were one of them. There was one of them that was like very well known for like botting their, uh, their initial views at least the, anyway um, I, yeah, I i take your point
1: because <laughs> yeah. that is
2: true i mean youtube the, music's also a thing so
0: so they have a, they have a really difficult time i think mitigating all of the different ways that people use youtube where people like us who will sit around and watch an old man eat watermelon you know mm-hmm. have different have different needs than uh the desposito crowd You know, that's very true. And that's what makes this website amazing. YouTube.com. Check it out. I want to go back to um, Kickstarter crap and basically just kind of your channel in general, because I'm wondering, reacting to other videos was definitely a thing and has been a thing for a really long time. You know, the fine bros have had their react series for whatever or for forever. There were reply girls back in the day when you used to be able to do video responses. So like whatever that was the viral video, these reply girls would just do a reply to, you know, like JLo's new music video and they would get tons of views. But what you were doing is kind of like an in-depth critique of content. And I'm wondering if anybody else was really doing that at the time when you started. Was, Was there anybody else that you saw that was doing that style of breakdown of other people's stuff?
2: I mean, yeah, there were certainly people doing it, I would say, for like other YouTube videos because that's a very like natural step in the process is like, uh, you know, I think probably H3 was doing uh, plenty of that sort of content at the time and uh, there were a ton of other creators. I guess the difference is like I was, I found a website that like I could kind of like, claim as my own, like, this is my exclusive website where I can pull videos from. Whereas everyone else, it's kind of, like, less of a structure to find things. It's like, yeah, I found this really weird music video where this creepy guy is, uh, you know, doing whatever. And it's like, all right, well, you know, it sort of depends, like, sometimes you have to go through more, um, more outlets to, like, find something like that. You either need to, like, browse Reddit or browse your sub, your specific sub form and, you know, listen to your viewers and maybe they suggest some sort of obscure video for you to react to. But at least for me, it was super easy because it was just like I got the format. I go on the Kickstarter website and just browse until I find something that's funny enough.
0: This episode of The Create Unknown is sponsored by Skillshare. So when we were first developing The Create Unknown, a really important thing to me was the look, the style, like the aesthetic of the podcast. And something that I've always loved is this kind of retro wave, 80s, kind of retro future look that you kind of see a lot now. But where I first started seeing it was with an artist named Kidmograph. And Kidmograph has been creating these really cool Retrowave gifts for a long time. And he actually has a class where you can learn how to make your own on Skillshare, and he and he goes through it step by step.
1: Right, and uh, having having some kind of custom element of the aesthetic of that identity uh, that goes a long, long way in making everything else easier. Once you've defined a little bit of uh, a little bit of a look, the next thing you do just kind of falls into place. And so, uh, what Kid McGrath has done on that course is. Uh, It's really excellent in terms of defining what he does and uh, just the entire aesthetic around his work.
0: Well, and that's the crazy thing I think about Skillshare is that you're not learning kind of like how to be like Kidmograph from a fan or something. You're learning actually from him. He's teaching a course. So Skillshare is full of actual experts teaching you their level of expertise and their knowledge and sharing that with you. And they have at over 20,000 classes, including classes in business, design, marketing, technology, and more. So, so really whatever you're looking for, Skillshare kind of has you covered.
1: And we have an offer uh, at skillshare.com slash thecreateunknown. If you go there and sign up, the first two months is just 99 cents. And like Kevin said, there are over 20,000 classes. They cover pretty much everything that you could possibly want. There's an excellent high-quality class on it, uh, whether it's it's uh, making uh, making things in 4D cinema like, like Kid McGrath does or uh, figuring out... How to do something as simple as accounting in your new venture. I mean, they have everything from creative to uh, communication. If you can think it up and you need help with it, they've got it.
0: Yeah. So to check out Kidmograph's course. It's actually just called Design an 80s Inspired GIF Using Motion Graphics in Cinema 4D by Kidmograph. So just go to Skillshare.com slash The Create Unknown, where you can learn how to get awesome skills and also help support us, The Create Unknown. That's Skillshare.com slash The create unknown first two months for 99 cents. Okay, back to the
1: show. So you're doing this, you're doing these, uh, this approach that's Kickstarter exclusive, because at that point you're the Kickstarter analytical guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So as you're doing these, you, from what I noticed, uh, you occasionally say some bad words. You occasionally say some things that might affect moneta- monetization. Is that fair to say?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's fair.
1: But in terms of doing this full
0: time, doing this as a job, having iDubs be you know your creative career, mm-hmm. like how how has that affected that? Because there must be some sort of ebb and flow. Of uh, uh, just recently, mm-hmm. uh, something came out um a screenshot from some conference some like influencer conference where someone did a breakdown of the amount of monetization that you get for a clean video compared to the amount of monetization that you get for a video that has cursing in it and the difference was monetization is cut in half i mean it it was that stark so how has your experience been with that because by that standard i would imagine all of your videos would be cut in half uh
2: you'd be surprised um i mean that that's just it though right like maybe i'm getting really really poor return on my videos but like i would never know because that's just what i've been doing it's like kind of like how much money do you need sort of thing like maybe if i was making child friendly content from 2012 to just recently, I'd be like, "Oh man, this sucks! I got to do, you know, super advertiser friendly stuff." But like, my barometer is is uh, set at a different place, so it's like I I can't really be I th- I'm I'm happy making the money I'm making. Like, I mean, there's a reason I don't really do any sponsorships as well. It's like I, the money's fine, <laughs> you know.
0: <laughs> so have you been approached by brands to do sponsorships?
2: Yeah, I've been approached by a few, but I you know I don't I. I uh I value the I guess the weight my w- word holds so like I kind of want to save it for something that I truly care about so when I do do a either merch drop or I come up with something that like come up with something myself that I feel like my fans are going to like and it's it's all me then you know it it people people feel like it's less sleazy because I haven't been, you know, pumping a new product every couple of weeks, you know, or even ever (laughs) for that
0: matter. (laughs) Yeah. So when you do, it's going to be like, it better be a good product, I guess.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the idea. I'm putting my name behind it. So like it gives me some added responsibility as well to make sure that I'm, you know, hitting all
1: bases. So nothing, you don't have to ever really factor in what any outside force is going to think about, about your content. It's just you and your audience. Yeah,
2: exactly. I don't want to be, I don't want to be owned by Google, YouTube, uh, a sponsor. I don't want to be told like what I can and can't do. So like, I guess a good way of looking at it, if, if this maybe makes sense for some people out there, I can do, like. I just released a video on on the uh, second channel called. I think it's it was titled something like "Fuck You, General Mills," <laughs> and and I was like, I kind of had a feeling. I was like, I, I did some I did some sort of uh, edgy jokes in there and cussed a few times. So I was like, well, I cussed a few times, so it's probably not gonna get monetized anyway. So I may as well go full out on this title rather than being like fearful that like. That will blacklist my channel because I think a lot of people are often just run on fear on YouTube. Like, yeah, if you have a couple of video titles with an F-bomb in it, like, you might just get blacklisted. Your video might not go to the sub boxes. Like, everyone is so concerned about that sort of thing. Like, even when they have, like, very little evidence as to, like, their channel being fucked over, they'll still, like, complain or, or be a bit paranoid that, something, something's changing.
0: The algorithm's changing. And that's, th- that's not anything that you've ever been concerned with.
2: Oh yeah. Of course. I, I think, I think it's always a concern, but it's kind of like, there's no sense in being concerned with it because it's such a hands-off thing anyway. Right. Like, what are you going to do about it? Like if you, if YouTube wants to fucking shut your channel down tomorrow, they can do it. You know, it's like, you really don't have much power
1: over it. <laughs> yeah. If if that happens to you tomorrow, mm-hmm. what do you do? What's next? What's, what's next? Bee other farm. Than beekeeping. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll probably go full Alex Jones and just, you know, have the own we- my own website or something, upload, <laughs> upload with, with my own like wacky sponsors and try to like keep my life afloat with like a very, uh, niche group of people something like that
0: you sell your and own like male, well. male virility pills and uh... oh yeah
2: <laughs> exactly
1: some i do virility 3, pills that's a viable model though we you know we know some some uh, creators who basically do just that where they yeah. have their own thing a small community well not small but 2000 people is quite a bit different than 10 million mm-hmm. uh and they do really well. They have a sustainable thing. They do what they want. They don't worry about what's happening with YouTube or Apple or anything else. Yeah. And everybody's really happy in the whole process. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. It's surprising. As long as you're like consistent and you're giving people what they're paying for, it's like people are quite reasonable and happy to support you. So, I mean, I know that to be the case. I support a lot of creators on like uh Patreon and some of the other, uh, I guess, crowdfunding donation websites. And I've been surprised with how consistent people are with either fulfilling rewards or just uploading.
0: Is that something that you've ever considered doing?
2: Yeah. Maybe when I was smaller, but not anymore. It's, yeah. Yeah. There's really no reason for it. The money's fine. And, uh, I think my, yeah, my biggest fear with something like that is like, I'm not very responsible, uh, uh, in the way of like sticking to a schedule, really bad with time management. So it's like, if someone wanted, it, 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 if I was required to fulfill some sort of patron goal every month, I probably wouldn't fulfill it. So there's no point in doing it.
1: Is it just you then, uh, or do you work with anybody else to make those things uh, make those things happen?
2: Nah, it's it, yeah, it's just all me.
1: Okay, because yeah, we we talk to such a range of people. Some of them have. Uh, one person who, who kind of does the things that they don't want to do or can't do because they're not mm-hmm. great at it. Uh, others have built out some elaborate structure. Uh, it's, it's crazy how many people do it from solo to empire and everything in between.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. I think everyone's sort of encouraged when you get to a certain size, like just a waste of your time to be editing, dude. Like just get an editor. It's going to make your life so much easier. And it's like, well, that's assuming I don't want to edit. And that's like You know, editing's fun. I think the only thing that I would ever really get help for is, uh, is this just the stuff I really don't have the skill set for, which is like, I don't know, maybe some animation stuff or, uh, art, anything like that, that is just like maybe a little bit more out of my wheelhouse.
0: Are there any bigger projects like an an animation or anything that you have, have ever had ambitions of dipping your toe into?
2: Oh yeah. Um, if you're watching this video, keep it on the down low, don't spread it. We're trying to keep this tight. Okay uh, there's a game I'm working on based on the second channel series that I have, uh, Save the Squirrels Initiative. It's called Pocket Squirrel. And that was one of those things where I was like, I don't promote anything, I'm not really making anything. I've always loved games, and this seemed like the perfect opportunity to make something that uh, you know wide group of people would like. So yeah, getting into the game
0: world, the video game world. What's that been like? How how invested are you in what goes on in the development of that?
2: Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's it's pretty hands off when it comes to, you know, coding and art and stuff like I'll give my suggestions, but it's mainly like design and writing that I'll have input in. You know, I want to make it sort of uh, I want to make it similar to. Well, how should I say this? Uh, I don't want it, the game to like scream, uh, you know, this is property of IDubs LLC or whatever. I want it to be kind of like, Oh yeah, this is a cool game. And I want people at the end of the day to, um, be able to share it with their friends, whether their friends are, you know, fans of me or not. And, uh, I want it to be, you know, good in its own right. So, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's been a, a really cool journey. We're, we're doing all sorts of stuff and I'll, I'll, I've been documenting the whole journey, and I'll, I'll be putting that up on YouTube when when the when the time comes.
1: What is in in a line or two? What is Pocket Squirrel?
2: It is a fusion of Animal Crossing and Tamagotchi, with an emphasis on
0: satire
2: and uh, <laughs> epicosity. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That sounds amazing. Yeah, I
2: really haven't. <laughs> it sounds, I really haven't practiced that. If, sounds epic. If you didn't notice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now I'm going to hold you to epicosity. That oh, better be no. like in the tagline. All right, I want to yeah. get to Content Cop because right. that is the series that I think, I, I don't know, I would consider, and I think many people would consider... This series that really like rose you above the ranks in a lot of ways um, and is mo- a more elevated kind of version of what you were doing with Kickstarter crap, where like you're taking the criticism um, of like a Kickstarter. Where in the videos, if you haven't seen them, Ian is just sitting in front of his computer, has the Kickstarter loaded up on his computer and goes through it. Whereas with Content Cop, he is criticizing YouTubers going through their content, going through their videos, but also sprinkling in skits that have to do with the jokes that he's making, uh, short films that may or may not even really be related to (laughs) who he's making fun of. They're just there, but they're awesome. Um, And all of this coalesces in these videos that, are really, to me, unlike anything else that I had seen before on, on YouTube or anywhere else for that matter. Uh, but That's not a question. I just am okay. describing yeah. like, like <laughs> my thoughts on Content Cop. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah.
1: And as you're, as you're talking about all this, if somebody hasn't seen Content Cop and they don't know how big and how teeming with epicosity <laughs> this is, one of those songs, one of those little bits that you threw in... Uh, what that was on the billboard top hundred, wasn't it? (laughs)
2: Uh, I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe the, the, maybe some sort of viral top 100 or some obscure thing. Well,
1: they have several, but the fact that it it, got noticed on any kind of billboard chart, a a song out of this video, that kind of shows this is, there's a lot to this and a lot of people looking at it.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's true, but it's also kind (laughs) of like, it's also kind of like any creator with that many subs can get. A, like just a garbage song to the top 100 if they tell their subscribers to do the thing and download <laughs> it so yeah i don't i don't know i can't we put work into it and it's a it's a good song and i'm I'm happy with it but it's also one of those things where we could have also not put work into it and it could have also had a similar effect so i don't know i appreciate though <laughs>
0: So I guess the question here is, like, what were your influences for Content Cop? Because, like, for instance, how did you decide to make music videos as part of it? How did you decide to do the opening where you're dressed in a police uniform and you're just (laughs) fighting your friend? Like, Where did all of that stuff come from?
2: I don't know. It was like... My eyes were opened a little after I did um, Hair Cake with uh, Max Mofo and Filthy Frank. I was like, you know, this is fun. Like, I could probably do a lot more like skits and stuff like that. So I, I just, you know, when I got back home from Australia, I said, all right, I'll just I'll do some of this stuff. And uh, I just immediately started doing it. I mean, I, I it's one of those things. I I think at the time I was like a little bit frustrated with some of the things I was seeing on YouTube and the sorts of things I was seeing that were successful. So I was like, all right, I could riff on these things um, and not feel bad about it. So that's what I did. And as far as like the the skits and doing the different things like the music video and all this sort of stuff, it's like with each one, I'm like I'm trying to do something a little bit different because I think that's uh, I think that's sort of important. So I don't like stagnate and I don't. Uh, and just for personal growth as well, like I'm not a musical guy like you know, I, well, I I was nervous, and I think I, I think if I'm not sort of a little bit nervous making one of these videos, then it, it, it probably won't you know be what I want at the end of the day. So I, I try to make each one of them a little bit different, a little bit out of my comfort zone. So that's that's also why they they take so long to make. It's not as if I'm uh, stewing over the the script for a year. It's like no, I'm just like thinking of an idea and saying nah, that's too similar. No, nah, that's too easy or too whatever, too out there. So I would say a lot of the process is simply like just crossing things off in my head and just thinking about new stuff. I don't so know.
1: when you did, uh, well, you do a few of the content cops and uh, occasionally you've gotten in a bit of trouble with them.
2: Oh, I've never gotten in trouble from a content <laughs> cop. It's funny you would say that. What trouble have I gotten in?
0: But do you receive a lot of heat from the fans of the creators who Not you at feature? All. No, nothing? Not really? at all.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's just it. Like, I don't know. Like, I I guess I kind of expect the worst. So when I expect the worst, like, what it comes back with is, I don't know, it's very underwhelming. Like, I would say that the most heat I've gotten is, like, someone would comment some shit like, yeah, IDubs is barely uploading videos in 2018, but... Rice gum has been featured in a Super Bowl ad, and his song is platinum. And I'm like, all right, okay. Like,
0: you could barely contain your and, laughter as as you're saying that.
2: Yeah, so it's I don't know, like heat, not really. It's like, what? What are you gonna say? Like, I anything you say is like. I don't know.
1: I don't. Yeah. Has anybody tried to really strongly do to you what what you do with Content Cop? Like to me or
2: like a copycat or what do you mean?
1: Uh, Yeah. Like really break you down. I mean, I know RiceGum had his response and stuff like that, uh-huh. but he only did that because you made a video about him. Uh, right. has, has anybody tried to throw it back on you in any meaningful way? Uh- yeah, I mean I'm sure I'm sure they have.
2: I think I've come across a couple videos. Not not anything massive, but like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure some people have, and I, I totally welcome it. I think it's like so occasionally people will joke like the next content cop is content cop iDubs. He's gonna do one on himself. And it's like that doesn't work. Like there's in, in no world does that work because like I have full control over it. Like I'm extremely biased and like the only way for it to work is for someone else to do it on, on me. And you know, that way it'll be, you know, <laughs> as, as I guess as as potent as it would be if I did it on someone else sort of thing. So
0: yeah, but you know how to do it on yourself now that you watched that tutorial from that old man on how to do the split screen.
2: Oh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's great. Watermelon cop with the with the continued success though of content cop. Do do you feel pressure to choose the next target? Is that like something that you, you know, kind of um, stay up thinking no, about, not really. or is it not really?
2: Yeah, I don't give much thought to it. I'm just trying to think of like other series and other stuff that I can do that will. Not because that's the thing, right? Like, I know that really nothing will probably like reach that level of like virality and like get people as stirred up because people love the fucking like rivalry and the drama and all that shit. You're noticing it with like you know Shane Dawson's series right now. It's like as long as there's some fucking tea and drama and all that, it's like you're gonna get the views. So you know you can you can do that. I can keep chasing that, but like. My intention is to be happy producing stuff that doesn't get as many views. Not that I wouldn't, you know, do anything drama filled in the future. It's just I need to not be disappointed if my views are a little bit low. So I'm I'm trying to remain, uh, I guess, humbled in that way, if that makes sense.
1: It seems tough to do this kind of thing from the comedy side and have any sense of what you're going to do more than about 15 minutes from now that uh, you're constantly subject to uh, what the kind of what the scene is like. So what's going to be funny with your audience? Uh, we got into this a little bit with the memers where you know, they obviously have mm-hmm. no clue what's going on in their life. And half the time they start a project and the meme is dead by the time they've made their thing. Uh, yeah, it's not if, like you
0: can batch record a bunch yeah. of jokes, and they'll you know that they'll be funny when you release the video three months from now.
1: Yeah, right. Is that a is that a really tough force when you've got you know, you've got a couple channels, uh, but this overall kind of comedic approach is that is that awesome to have that kind of flexibility in the unknown element, or is, is it kind of difficult? Uh uh-huh.
2: Yeah, I mean probably a bit of both. I, I I don't mind the unknown. It's uh it's fine. I get by. I think I I <laughs> I think not planning things is probably healthy for me and uh and just moving forward on YouTube. You it's know. just
0: it's so funny to talk to you uh in, in comparison to a lot of the other people who we've talked to just because of how different your approach has been. I mean, when you were starting out you did have a very structured Approach You develop this format and even content cop is a format. It's a show that has a title, you know what to expect from it. But at the same time, your attitude about all of this is so laid back that it feels like anything can happen and and you'll just roll with the punches.
2: Yeah, I think uh, you kind of have to because like, I mean, there's so many changing things, right? Like the YouTube landscape is changing uh, all the time. People who are on the website in 2016 aren't on the website anymore. Uh, The type of content that's popular is different now. And the type of criticisms that you'd uh, throw on someone back in the day or even five months ago aren't the same criticisms that hold weight now. And uh, you as a person change, like, you know, certain things hold less weight or hold more weight. And I think the only way that like I can stay a bit morally consistent is to be a bit more flexible rather than like, this is a criticism I have of this person and I'm going to make a video on them and it's going to be done in September. Like, I, I can't really do that because like. By the time September rolls around, I'm I'm a different person in a lot of ways. And, like, maybe some of the criticisms that I, you know, put out there aren't even, like, I don't consider all that good. So, yeah, I think flexibility is good, at least for what I'm doing.
1: Do you run anything by anybody else uh, before you... You put a video up I mean, do you have like oh, a core yeah. of, of people who are your little proxy like test audience and stuff? Yeah,
2: I have a group of friends that I trust you know i really uh, I really enjoy uh, running my stuff by Max mofo because' he's, uh, he's a good friend and he's, he's got an eye for uh, good content and what's entertaining, so I'd say mainly Max. He's uh, he's
0: very he's the OG
2: YouTube friend for me. So
0: he's hilarious. And and he's, uh, you know, along with you, I feel like there's this crop of YouTube comedians who are just so ridiculously funny in a way that was impossible before the Internet because of the fact that you could literally just hang out and not care what a sponsor thinks or what your boss thinks or or even necessarily what your audience thinks. You could just do what you think is funny. And I guess, you know, it's like stand-up comedians, to a degree, have that freedom. But at the same time, there are a lot of confines there with stand-up where you have to kind of, I don't know, that format seems pretty limited in terms of the amount of ways you can make people laugh. Whereas what you're doing, like with Content Cop, you're combining sketch comedy, you're combining uh satire and criticism you're combining um musical comedy and guerrilla comedy uh, by guerrilla comedy i mean I like
2: guerrilla comedy that sounds dope <laughs> yeah it's like
0: that that's a term that i learned from upright citizens brigade because huh. they used to do what they called guerrilla comedy where they would go out in public and like do comedic stuff that weren't pranks it's it's like a different thing than a prank, because I think a prank is kind of a very specific thing where you are tricking someone and mm-hmm. then you're filming it and people are laughing at the person getting tricked. But you know, you going to uh, like a fast food place and saying another one, another one, another <laughs> one, like ordering milks over and over again is not necessarily a prank, uh, yeah. it's something else. It's just creating comedy in a real life situation. Uh, But all of that stuff, it's like every form of comedy you're able to do in one video. And that's so unique.
1: Oh, well, thank you, Kevin. (laughs) You know, as you're describing how that was constricted in the past, I saw this documentary on Netflix. I think it was about the Dana Carvey show. Uh, or uh, another one it just had this fantastic team of writers who Dana were, the Dana Carvey show have, had
0: an all-star lineup of yeah. writers and performers it it's was like, like hall of fame level it's like every famous yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so Dana Carvey um Stephen Robert Colbert Smigel Stephen yeah. Colbert and Steve Carell uh-huh. um i think Louis CK wrote for it yeah um,
1: uh, we don't we don't talk about him anymore right right he <laughs> Oh no! But yeah, you think how does a show <laughs> fail? Deleted, how does a show say. fail when when it's got like this format, this talent, and Dana Carvey himself right. is out? Uh, just one of the funniest comedians at his popular peak, yeah, of the most uh, the most widely viewed comedy show in the world at that time, mm-hmm. and this completely fails and falls apart. Mm-hmm. And it, a, a big part of it, well, like ninety eight percent of it, was how they just couldn't do their thing uh, in the confines of that TV system. Yeah. Right. Uh, if they had the same kind of troupe doing things on YouTube, how does it go? Probably fairly well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They just didn't have that option because the media hadn't caught up. No. And I think that
0: Hollywood is really struggling with this now, too, because how, how many like blockbuster comedies come out in Hollywood? None. N- that nev- never happens anymore, because why would you go to the movies to laugh when you can go onto iDub's channel and laugh at the countless videos that he made that are so much funnier and more outrageous and edgy than whatever the latest Amy Schumer vehicle is.
1: Well, I wonder, Ian, what you would do if this option were available to you? If you couldn't do this kind of thing on this kind of platform, how, do you, how would you get this out? What, what would that avenue be for you?
2: Oh, I don't know. That's, that's tricky because I think YouTube is like, it enables so much... Um, that would be tough I would probably just look to other other uh well what if it's like 1987 you know
1: oh what would you well, have to, how would you have taken this creativity and applied it to something if if this didn't exist I mean
2: that's so hard to say because it's like I probably wouldn't I feel very lucky to be born in the time I am because I I honestly think I would just be a fucking electrician's apprentice to be honest you know <laughs> like I don't think I would like because YouTube is it was so like there's zero barriers to entry or at least there was less barriers to entry like early on earlier on but it's it's getting a little harder these days for people to get eyes on your stuff but yeah it was just so convenient oh yeah you do it from home it's like you can kind of advance at your own pace it's like when I started it was like I don't want to show my face you know and now it's like okay well like Now I'm showing my face, I'm doing skits, I'm doing a music video thing. I'm like, so I feel like YouTube has grown or I've grown with YouTube in that way. It's like, that's great. It enables a lot of, uh, it enables people to do the creating at their own pace. So in
0: 1987, you're saying you wouldn't be filming yourself in a sewer covered in a can of peaches, basically.
2: That, you know that like
0: maybe 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 with one of those big honking vhs yeah. camcorders i don't know that
2: would look dope that would look really cool uploaded to youtube today like with a really shitty camcorder i love that
0: <laughs> it's like vaporwave i-dubs yeah. uh, covered in in peaches yeah
2: i'd like to record some videos with like some really old equipment and just upload that on like a on like a side channel that'd be a lot of fun make it feel like it's from a different time
0: so Nathan Barnett did that. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He had a character yes. called Keith Apicary. I know Keith. Okay, so <laughs> so he would record all of those on old, those old camcorders. That's why those videos yeah, look I think like I remember that. that. Yeah, that it's not like a yeah. filter.
2: Okay, yeah. that's dope. Okay, I didn't know that. I yeah, I would have assumed it was a filter.
0: Hmm. All right, I dubs uh, here at the Create Unknown. We love to celebrate creativity. We like to honor creativity and we'd like to display the creativity of our guests. So I'm going to ask you a question that has no answer. So therefore you're going to have to just make it up on the spot Using that IDubbbz brain of
1: yours, so here it is. Okay. Can I can I add a condition to this? Yes, you can. Can Can you say it in? I think it's a Dutch voice that you do. Can you answer the question <laughs> in that voice?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, dude. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but that's a tough call, man. uh, I
2: I usually don't do, uh, (laughs) maybe we'll, we'll see if I'm feeling it. Okay. (laughs) I'm already just nervous answering a question that doesn't have an answer.
0: Okay. (laughs) I do like that. Whatever that means. All right. So here's, here's the question. Very simply, uh, tell us about the person who invented flip-flops. Uh, and why they invented flip flop?
2: Okay, give me one second. Shh. Take your time. Uh, <laughs> the man who invented the flap flop <laughs> was very frustrated that it was called a thong. He did not like that; too vulgar, sound like a sound like a panty. So instead, he called it a flappy flop. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, that's
2: all I can. Do. That's all I can muster. That's, that's enough.
0: That's 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 more than enough. I almost had a brain aneurysm. Oh my god. Oh my god. Well, hi Dubs, Listen, thank you so much for joining us here at the Create Unknown. It was a pleasure having you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> thank you Matt and Kevin you guys are great hosts
0: you're very very funny man and uh, uh, hope to talk to you soon uh-uh. you too <laughs> special thanks to iDubbs you can check out iDubbs over on YouTube at iDubbsTV that's I-D-U-B-B-B-Z TV Or on Instagram and Twitter at just iDubs. Uh, iDubs is a provocateur, so uh, be forewarned before going into that uh, experience. Okay? Got it? Got it? Okay, good. Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. If you liked what you heard, tell a friend or a bitter rival about the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser. Subscribe to The Create Unknown for free. If you haven't already on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube or your favorite most most favorite in the world podcast app. You could also follow the show on Facebook and Instagram at the create unknown and on Twitter at just create unknown. Our website is thecreateunknown.com. We, we've made all of these things pretty straightforward. It's not like our website is like apple jacks Handstand.com. That would be confusing. The Create Unknown is a Vsauce podcast in association with Triangle Content. We've been your hosts, Kevin Lieber and Matt Tabor. Check us out on YouTube at Vsauce 2. There are math and science videos for your eyeballs and earballs over on Vsauce 2. Executive producer is Dave Kiney. This episode was edited by Adam Ganong. Our theme song is from the incredible Mega Drive. Check out Mega Drive's website in the show notes. Host and guest portraits by the amazing Tim Webster. His portfolio and website are in the show notes as well. Special thanks to Dorothy Kiney and Paula Lieber. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. So until then, you are about to exit. And as always, thanks for listening.